Welcome to Own Gold Podcast, date of recording, September 27th, 2021. I'd like to run some names by everyone now. Benedict Arnold, Brutus, Judas, Eric Gates. What do these four vile men have in common? Great, great traders of our time. Great traders of our time. Since Eric picked Man United as one of the three team, his one of his three teams to win the Champions League, they have won one game and lost three. We're going to get into that. We're going to talk about the club season, and of course, we're going to end previewing the upcoming U.S. qualifiers. But first, to the byline. It's in! It's an goal! It's a gift. Well, it's almost done well to get that in because he's ahead of the near post. It's almost behind him. Sticks his left leg out. It almost hits his heel. It goes straight into the bottom of the corner, bottom corner of the net. Gets ahead of the ball, it's the inside of his car. Got no chance to win the keeper. Our top story to lead off the episode has to be this headline. Uh, Brazilian soccer player Hulk has announced that he is him and his niece are expecting a child. I have a couple a couple points to come in here. I think that the uh, headline is a bit misleading. Also, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I cannot allow myself to assume that he announced, hey guys, I got my niece pregnant. Well, no. He announced that, hey, I got the girl I'm dating pregnant. Unfortunately for him, the headline is not inaccurate because basically, long story short, Hulk left his wife for his wife's niece. Yes, yes, which is his niece by relation, but not by blood. And maybe if I said inaccurate, I misspoke. It's a misleading headliner. It's it's a little clickbaity, but it is factually accurate. I would say that it is the funniest way to present the story. <laughs> It's also the most outrageous way to present the story, which I guess will fall in line there. It's, it, it, I'm not comfortable, like, hypothetically taking the, the Hulk defensive side here. I'm just trying to point out that you read that, that headline and you immediately think, like, his blood relation niece, which, small caveat, at least it's not that, right? It could have been worse. It's still not great. I think the most wild part of this story is that led us to discover that Hulk and Diego Costa are playing together on the same random Brazilian team. Yeah. Which is just wild to think about. Um, as, as some of you may remember from quite a few episodes ago, Diego Costa and Gabriel Jesus' photos of them with a woman were uh, uncovered in a thrift shop in London because the photos were in a Bible. There is still no... Uh no answer as to this woman's relation with Hulk. So stay tuned. We've got some genealogists kind of studying family trees to see how she ties in. <laughs> um, I, I, do you have anything to say before we move on to the slightly more soccer uh, related topic, but still not, or do you want to harp on this a little longer? No, I mean, I think I got to say that Hulk impregnated his niece and being able to say that knowing that it's not wrong. Yeah. That's all I needed. I think, yeah. I mean, listen, it's probably not like, it's not the best move in the world to leave your wife for her niece, but also I'm going to, I'm going to try not to judge. I don't know what the dynamic of his relationship with his ex-wife was. Maybe there was some abuse there. Who knows? That's just pure speculation. <laughs> really jump into the deep end of your speculation. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, but it would be irresponsible to make such speculation. Let me say that. <laughs> 
Those were examples of irresponsible speculations. I'm not necessarily making those myself. I'm saying it would be irresponsible for someone to make that. I'd say lawyers are the fucking worst, but I don't want to alienate half of our listeners. <laughs> um, no, let's move on with the new uh, feud between Pep Guardiola and the Manchester City fans. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I don't know how aware everybody is. It, it's gotten some, some coverage and some play. So midweek, what, two weeks ago, a week and a half ago, whatever, uh, during the first round of Champions League games, uh, City played... Uh, or RB Leipzig and beat them 6-3 you know good for Leipzig to score three goals on City but you gotta let in less than six goals uh, and then some and Pep made a comment about how you know they're gonna have a difficult game over the the following weekend and really need the the fans to come out and support them better than they did during this uh, Champions League midweek game Mm -hmm. and it just it seemed a bit odd to kind of pick a fight with your fan base. Because it's not like the Etihad was empty. And it's also not like their weekend games have had subpar turnout either. It, it just, I don't know, it, it struck me as weird and a little bit tone deaf, especially while many people are still dealing with the real present effects of a global pandemic yeah like not having jobs ergo not having money ergo you can't spend money on luxuries like tickets to a manchester city game and also not being not feeling comfortable being around uh, you know sixty thousand people that may not have a strong regard for personal hygiene right and i'd add to that that the carabao cup game they had this week Against, I don't know who they played. Did they play like Wimbledon or something? Or did Arsenal? Uh, Wycombe. Wycombe. Those tickets, let me tell you how ticket, how cheap those tickets were. My brother and his team were at the game. The cost of his ticket and 45-minute bus ride from Chester to Manchester, to the Etihad in Manchester, and the ticket. Guess how much all that was together for my brother. Well, I'm not going to guess because you told me how much you spent. Uh, five pounds. Yeah. Which is like seven fifty. Yeah, it's like, like almost it's seven and a half, eight bucks in in, in, the, in America uh, to go to one of the you know premier EPL teams. Yeah, that's a hell of a student deal. Yeah. Also, it's probably a hefty Carabao Cup discount, <laughs> especially against <laughs> fucking Wycombe. Wycombe. That's that's true. Uh, yeah, the only way you get like you know. In the Premier League, City selling tickets that cheap that they're playing like a, you know, a dustbin team like Tottenham or something. Oof. The shots are being fired at Matt early. I I don't really mean that. I just I had to throw that in there for Matt's narrative. I need I, I need Matt to have something to perform consistently in his life, and it's not Tottenham. So I figured it could be my uh, shots fired at Tottenham. I like that thinking. I like that. So yeah, it's just it was, it's just interesting kind of uh, fight to pick as with, with Pep, especially as you've got I think some bigger fish to fry this season. Uh, I know what that that weekend game was against Southampton, which you know, which was a a zero zero draw, and City's first shot on target was like in the ninetieth minute. So my thought is, if you're going to midweek ask the fans to come out and support, 
then you need to back that up with a fucking, uh, you know, show to entertain. And failing to, to put a shot on goal in the first eight, nine minutes of a home match not does good. not about deliver the goods. Uh, it's just interesting. Uh, you know, everybody always talks about how brilliant Pep is from a tactics perspective, and that's evident when he has talented teams. He can win great stuff. Yeah, when he um, spends but, a billion dollar to make up his team. <laughs> but also, like, the guy makes some weird thoughts and decisions, and this was just one of them that stuck out to me. Going from one end of guy with talented team can win things, uh, let's talk about a manager who does not fit that. Ronnie Koeman. Yes, Ronald Koeman, uh, who managed Everton, managed the, the Netherlands, uh, and also, as we all know, is currently the manager of Barcelona. I think he's an incredible case study in failing upwards. Uh, but Donnie, I know Ronald had uh, a couple uh, an interesting statement maybe two, two and a half, three weeks ago. I think it was before the Bayern Barcelona Champions League game. Yes. Um, I wish he was. I wish we were talking about Ronnie Coleman instead. By the way, I just thought I just had to throw that out there. Uh, yeah. So Coyman, Coyman, Coman, Coman, Coman said that quote. Thanks to me, this club has a future. After which, until this re- most recent weekend, Barcelona did not win a game. They got shit pumped by Bayern at home. I think, and then I think they lost, and then lost another one and drew, drew two. Yes. And then they only won, in my opinion, because Ansu Fati came back, and I think he is literally going to save Kuman's job. I don't know if he's going to save Kuman's job. I think he's. I think Barcelona has a future because of Ansu Fati. Uh, Which is why it's going to save Kuman's job. Cool, cool story with him. Uh, you know, he tore a meniscus, missed I think over a year uh, of game time, and then scored two minutes into his return to Barcelona, wearing the number ten passed down to him from Messi. So that that had to be a really cool and amazing experience. I saw uh, I don't know if it was at, right after the goal, if it was right after the game, but he went over and celebrated with the doctor who helped him. Uh, like repair and recover from his uh, meniscus injury, so just a uh, you know uh, heartwarming story all around. But but Kuman coming out swinging for the fences. This was before it had been stated that his you know that Barcelona were were seriously considering alternative managers. And like yeah, thanks to me, this club has a future. And then goes on arguably the worst run of form that we've ever seen from Barcelona in a four game span. Yes. In our lifetime. Yes. Uh, so that was that was fascinating. Um, but then, yeah, well, I have another thing that's Barcelona adjacent, but I will I think save it for our La Liga. Freak out. All right. Yeah. Should we just hop into some segments? We haven't done segments in a while. Yeah, we've, you know, we're going to bring back our, our two favorites, and I don't know if these are fan favorites, but they're definitely our pod favorites. So as your pod fathers, we're going to jump right in with Hawkeye of the Week and Fullback of the Week. Donnie, who, who are you liking? Who's hot this week? Okay. Now, we've always said, we have always maintained that the level of on-field performance can exceed the physical appearance of the player. Where it's like, there's a certain point where it's like, maybe it's not the best-looking guy, but his on-field performance has just, like, compensates for it, obviously. But he can't be ugly. No, 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 no. We've never said he can't be ugly. Okay. You picking an uggo? I am picking a semi-uggo. But on the field, he's a 10 out of 10. 
Okay. Kareem Benzema, hot guy of the week. <laughs> Let me explain. Please. Outwardly, is he the most traditionally aesthetic male? No. Great bod, though. Great bod. Done. Is he an untraditionally aesthetic male? I think in an unorthodox setting, he could be very beautiful. Yeah, in like a setting where he's got like a, like a paper bag over his head. And you're just looking at his body. But, but, let's talk about the on-field play. Yes. Seven games, La Liga games, eight goals through seven mm-hmm. games, seven assists through seven games, 15 con- goal contributions in seven games, making it the greatest start to a top five European season league campaign in the 21st century. That's why he's the Hawkeye League, because of that stat. That's that propels him. So, may I retort? You may rebut. Easily the least aesthetic person to receive these honors from this podcast. Without a doubt. And you know what? I have no qualm with the nomination because that's how hot his performance. I mean, if if it was if it was four less goals, right? So he was at eleven goal contributions with the seven assists and four and, and four total goals. I would say honestly, not enough. But his pace is incredible to just come out the gate so hot and also he had a strong performance for france while france didn't play well in the euros he played well in the euros he had that sick kind of touch gathering the ball behind him put in front of him scoring um i think against switzerland in the in the game that they got knocked out uh, all to say he's he's been i mean he's been form wise hot for a long time now uh but I, I think questionable on the aesthetics but his watching him play you do you do feel something also, I will say to his credit, his hand's been broken for like 15 months and he has not been delaying the surgery so he could continue to play for club and country and not have to miss time. And so that just adds a little extra grit factor. Read a great story about his hand. Fascinating. Also, I sent you a link to an article <laughs> from gold.com asking the question if he should be considered for the Ballon d'Or. And in a word, yes. Yes. Uh, question, the hand that he broke, is that his uh, videotape recording hand, or is that the one he uses to hold the, the camera? Uh, <laughs> uh, as Benzema's uh, American counsel, we uh, elect not to answer that question at this time. Please proceed with your hot guy of the week. No further questions. Thank you. Okay. Um, I've got two homer picks this week. Uh, I think it's fair because while they did lose their first Champions League game uh in seven years, uh, Milan have started the season pretty hot. Number two in the league, only points dropped was a, a, a draw in Turin at Juve. And I th- uh, thought Mike Magnan, our new goalkeeper, has uh, been absolutely stellar. He hasn't necessarily faced an onslaught of, of shots. Uh, I mean, he did against Liverpool, and one of the goals was a deflection. You know, there were some you know unlucky uh, breaks for him uh, in that, that game. But overall, he's came up big with the big saves. He's got strong deep ball distribution. He's a little shaky with his you know feet under pressure, playing it short. But he can he can pick out Giroud, Ibra, Rebic pretty well with the deep ball, which has sprung a lot of good counters, especially with Liao on, on the side. Uh, I also saw a stat that since the, the top five leagues and France have come back from – from from you know the off season, uh, looking at expected goals allowed versus actual goals allowed, 
Uh, no goalie has a better stat there than Mike Magnan. Um, I think no goalie has more shutouts and clean sheets than, than Magnan. Maybe, maybe no, that, that one's wrong. Uh, but there were a couple other stats that, like, his total number of <laughs> that, that one's wrong. But there, there were like three stats, and it was the big one that stuck out to me was expected goals conceded versus goal conceded. Uh, he had the greatest positive disparity there. Yeah, um, he's like. I mean, at the end of the day, I think what a goalie has to do is make the saves you're supposed to, and then make a few saves you're not supposed to. And for the stat you're alluding to, that's exactly what Big Mike's doing, and uh, definitely has a fan in me as well. Uh, and uh, you know something else to <laughs> um, point out the the shutout thing is kind of uh, from his last two seasons in, in France. He had the most number of, of shutouts for any keeper in any of the top four leagues plus France over that two year span. Also known uh, as so clean sheets. Clean sheets. There you go. So he's not just uh, been playing you know well recently. He's been on really good form and. Uh, he, He's an attractive dude. I think he's a he's a handsome guy. I completely agree. All right. Can I kick us off with the uh, fullback of the week? Please do. I told you I have a homer pick. I have double homer picks. This one re- requires even more uh, backstory. Those of you who follow the podcast, you know, the last two years would know both of us are are very much in on talented left back for Milan, Teo Hernandez. Uh, he did not start the year off. Well, uh, it seemed like he had his head in his ass against uh, Liverpool. Did not have a strong showing in the, the first couple of games for Milan. In his defense, and, he was spending a lot of time in the summer because he wasn't in the Euro squad at Ibiza. And he was partying and doing a lot of drugs. So you know what? He was yep. entitled to his slow start. Yep, okay. Yep, that, that, sure. We'll go, we'll, we'll go there. Uh, and, and there were rumors, you know, he didn't look out of shape, but maybe he, was, he wasn't yet back into, you know, regular season fitness because he just didn't seem to have the quickness in his step. Um, and, and then kind of coming back from the recent performances, we had a midweek game uh, where, where Teo was on the bench. And or maybe I think it was our weekend game. Uh, Teo's on the bench, and Donna, you texted me like, "Why? Why the fuck is is Teo on the bench and not starting?" And it was really all about. I thought we have you know a, a midweek game, a weekend game, and then we have Champions League midweek, and then we have Atlanta. So we had a, a pretty big run of, of matches, kind of Lazio, Liverpool, Juventus, and then our next run of, of matches we have coming up: Atlanta. Uh, Atletico Madrid and a couple. I was like, they're using these kind of soft schedules to give some players a rest, and Teo is one of them, and, and I think he needs it to get his mind right. And kind of fast forward, I don't know, three quarters of the match, and we are still scoreless playing against, like, bottom feeders uh, of Venezia, Venezia. And our boy Teo Hernandez subs in and only has an assist and a goal for Milan becoming the first Milan uh, defender since like 2006 or seven to record a goal and an assist in a single game. That's dope. Also, also I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a very loud, vocal, prolific lover of Teo Hernandez. So I love this pick. And also he's, he's, he's very hot. Uh, especially, attractive. especially if you subscribe to like tattoo culture. Hot. He's got some hot dude tattoos. 
for sure. And, and his girlfriend is very much into the tattoo culture too. So she they is incredibly they, tattooed, and she has an incredible body. They are they are very like aesthetically uh, into that culture. Yes, and representatives. Who you got for us, Donald? So I have the of all the PSG signings, this guy has been by far and away I think the most impressive. He has hit the ground running at PSG. I think he is a absolute electric player at the right back position. Uh, Arkaf Hakimi in eight Ashraf Ashraf Hakimi uh, in eight game in eight um, Uber Eats League games, three goals, two assists. Yeah. Just has started. I mean, literally, in one of the games, I think they won two one. He scored both the goals. I mean, he, this guy. You know, people say Trent Alexander Arnold's the best offensive right back in the world. Uh, I, I don't know, Jim. Hakimi is unreal. He is just so fun to watch. Um, like I said, of all of all the guys that they have PSG have brought in this summer, he's been by far and away the most impressive. Well, also interesting that he's the one player they paid for. Yes. Right, they got uh, Messi on a free, Donnarumma on a free. Ramos on uh, a free. Ramos and Wijnaldum on frees. They paid for Hakimi, and I think that was a, an incredibly prudent investment. I was so relieved to get him not just out of Serie A, but out, but out of that inter-squad. Uh, he... He was dangerous, and he still is. Just he's less relevant for me now, thank God. Yeah, and he's only twenty-two. Yeah, which is nuts. So yeah, look at that—a left back and a right back for your uh, full back of the week. Also, think about—oh he... fuck, okay. <laughs> think about how electric they would be on the same team. Yeah, you know, you know, PSG are monitoring Teo Hernandez. <laughs> That's why I kind of stopped, but then I was like, I when I first when the thought came in my head, it was really just like in a vacuum. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're probably gonna be we're probably gonna get to see that. My only hope is that it's in like three years, and we're still able to get a really good feed for him and not lose him on a free. Probably not gonna have both. It's either gonna be gonna lose him next year on a fee, or we'll hold on to him and lose him on a free, which just seems to be the troubling Milan way. So that's fun. Um, although one thing. I was. I remember when he was. Uh, this wasn't. This wasn't the Liverpool game because that was a tough game, tough environment. But it's one of our early season games, and he was playing like dog shit uh, just in, in Syria. And I even texted you like Teo doesn't have his head in his ass. It's. It's. He's playing like he's already sold his place in Milan and purchased a place in Paris, and is just waiting to go. The the window had closed, so I knew that wasn't true. But you know, I was already making jokes about the inevitability of losing him probably to Paris, but there's now rumors that, you know, Pep is keeping eyes on him too. Yeah. All right. Um, with that, should we uh, do a little kind of, you know, we're about five, six, seven games, depending on the uh, league into the club yeah. season. We can kind of talk about a little club. Why don't we start La Liga? I think definitely the big storyline has been, um, Karim Benzema and how incredible he's been for Real Madrid. Seven games played, there are five wins, two draws. Now, question for you. Answer. Wouldn't, wouldn't you argue that the big storyline is what's being talked about, and unfortunately uh, there is no justice for Karim, which I guess we could get into that in a, a different conversation, uh, but it's not being that widely uh, reported, his hot start, and there's been a lot more focus on the downfall of Barcelona and uh, you know Kuman's uh, future saving of the club. There has been 
more focus on Messi not scoring for PSG than there has been Kareem Benzema. It, it's, it's a little funny, to be fair. It is funny. That Kareem Benzema having the greatest start to a league campaign in terms of goal contributions in the 21st century. The, the mainstream media does not want Kareem Benzema to be your GOAT. Doesn't want Kareem Benzema to be at the forefront of this guy's plan so hot right now. They want to repress him, suppress him, hide him from you, but you can't hide it. He's too fucking good. He is too fucking good to hide. You can't hide him. The other day, he had a goal where he trapped the ball on his back. He's he's on fire right now. Everything he touches turns goal words. Uh, I have a theory. I know who's behind this. Who? Who do you think? I don't know. Perez somehow he's behind everything. Who is your? Who is the source of almost all of your frustrations when it comes to French soccer players? To French soccer players? Just the, like French soccer. Oh, Deschamps. It's Didier Deschamps. He is one hundred percent behind this. He finally caved to pressure and brought. Kareem Benzema into the Euros. Right now, Benzema played well, but France disappointed greatly, and they bowed out early. And now Benzema is on a fucking scorcher and a tear. He's an automatic has to be like the first name selected on the team sheet, and that is and I you know that's not how Deschamps is running. Deschamps is thinking when I when I got to the finals of the Euro and then won the World Cup. He wasn't there. He's clearly the problem. Also, you know, there was a little bit of consternation between some of the uh, attacking players uh, with the, the spotlight and attention Benzema was getting. So I think Deschamps is trying to stifle your boy uh, because, you know, he's already decided Benzema is guilty of the blackmail and also sees him as the, the source of all of his failures and evils with the French national team. I agree. Deschamps is suppressing the narrative. And it makes perfect sense. But um, obviously, Real Madrid looked good for all of Barcelona's slow start. They're only five points behind Real Madrid because it's so early with the game in hand. Um, Sevilla have been really impressive early as well. I don't think they've lost. Maybe they've lost one. Where's my table? I think Atletico just just lost one. Atletico's lost one. Sevilla hasn't lost. So There's actually... Three undefeated teams in La Liga right now. Also, let's not forget second place right now, Real Social Dad. They are looking very good. They um, are they 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 have they have played one more game than Sevilla, but they're level and Barcelona, but they're level basically with everybody else that's relevant. Yep. Um, yeah, it's funny. I I picked Atletico, you know, as one of my three teams alongside Man United, and then they lost their most. They, they, then they then they lose their first game of the season. Huh, I wonder if that's a theme that we're going to talk about on this podcast. Spoiler alert, it is. Uh, so my big takeaway from La Liga actually takes me to a connection of Atletico Madrid, but a connection to Barcelona and the future of the club. We've at least talked personally, I don't know if on the pod, about the ingenious bit of business Barcelona did, where they uh, basically paid a massive fee to rent Antoine Griezmann. Uh, from Atletico and then send him back and boy he has not played well this year the games he featured for Barcelona zero goals the games he's played for Atletico Madrid 
He has zero goals, zero assists, zero shots on target, and Atletico have zero goals as a team when he is on the field. Jesus Christ. Well, he may have, well on Saturday, uh, Atletico plays Barcelona, so he may have a reunion of sorts. Yeah, it's it, it, that'll definitely be one to watch. Um, it, but honestly, if I'm Atletico for that game, I'm putting him on the bench. Yeah, me too. I play Suarez. That's going to be a better homecoming. That's for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, well said. Um, shall we move along to your neck of the woods in Syria? Sure. Got a, a you know, I'll, I'll kick us off here. I have a couple points to kind of jump in with. First and foremost, and I was texting you about this during the Fiorentina Inter game, but Fiorentina are a fun team to watch this year. I really like what they've done. Their their manager, uh, his name is uh, it's Vincenzo Italia uh, or Italiano, and it's like honestly that would be like an American coach's name being Johnny America, uh, and I just love that that name. He's kind of come up from the the lower leagues. But they, they have, a I think, a really talented up-and-coming striker in Dusan Vlahovic. Uh, and they've really built their attack around him, not just relying on everything he does, but also creating so much space for others because of the attention he gets from the, d- the defender back line. Uh, so I think they're going to be a dark horse competitor for top four. Obviously, you know, they're... Only I think what six points out of first place. It's early, so you can't you can't technically rule them out of competing for the title. But I would say that's a bit too lofty for their their squad and experience. Uh, but I would expect them to hang around for a while and, and push for a, a Champions League spot. Maybe another point for me is in their, I don't know if you want to touch on anything Fiorentina. If you just want me to to go down my list here, Don. No, go down your list. I'll, I'll chime in when I want. Napoli are on fucking fire right now. Spalletti's got those boys humming. He really does. Uh, Six games in, they have 18 points, which means they have won all six games. Clearly puts them in first place. And their last year signing, who kind of got hot near the end of the season, uh, Osiman, their striker, is leading the charge in terms of that that form. He has six goals in his last four games, which puts him at six goals for the six games of the season. Don't think we need to uh, dissect too deep to figure out that a goal a game average is pretty damn good. Yeah. Juve, it seems they've found their form again. They're, you know, 10 points back of Napoli, but like I said, very, very early. Uh, looks to me like there are going to be, I think, eight teams challenging for those top four spots. So we have your, your usual suspects in no particular order. Napoli, Inter, Milan, Juve, Atalanta, Lazio. I talked about Fiorentina, and then obviously we've mentioned before that Roma looked good this year. Uh, they did just drop, uh, they just lost, I think it was their, their second loss of the season, mm. and it was the first iteration of the, the Rome Derby. So, the Rome Derby. That was interesting. The last thing is um, Venezia and you know, our U.S. compatriots over there, uh, Gianluca Busio and Tanner Testman, yep. are going to be a season-long uh, relegation fight. Yeah. They're, they're tough to watch. They are so bad. <laughs> yeah. I like those are my. I feel very good about my Milan and Roma top four picks. Even though Roma's lost a couple, Tammy Abraham is awesome. Yeah, he is. And Milan, 
I've always said I think Kelly's a really, really underrated, probably the most underrated coach in the game right now, in my opinion. And um, so far, early, he's got he's got his boys humming. So I feel good about my picks. Yeah, it'll, I mean, it'll, it'll be interesting. Obviously, Juve have left himself a little work to do. You know, it's a little too early to look at top four standings uh, and how far out. They are, even with their poor start, they're only four points back of Roma, which is the fourth place right now. So and they're they're three points back of seventh place, right? So it's it's early, so it's obviously crowded to top. I am a, I am curious if we could see something come into play that I think had an impact last year. You know, I reveled in Inter shitting the bed in Champions League, uh, finishing fourth and not even qualifying for the Europa demotion. Uh, and just being out of the European competition. But I think there's no denying that their squad really benefited from the rest there and really only playing uh, their top squad in the the league, domestic league games and matches. It'll be interesting to see if, you know, with one of these teams, because most of them, not all, like Fiorentina aren't in Europe, but I think all the rest are in one of, you see, you know, Champions League, Europa, or whatever the fucking Europa conference thing is. It's conference league. I don't get that thing. But like I think basically of the rest of the seven, most, if not all of them, are in some kind of competition. If one or two bow out of that of those competitions before the second half of the season starts, could be really interesting to see how that impacts, you know, injuries, fatigue, and then the ability to sustain strong performances that I think Inter benefited from last year when they caught Milan and then opened up a massive lead that they just never relinquished. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that takes us down to England, where your finger your fingerprints are just all over this fucking thing. Why? Just 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 answer why. Here's my defense. No, no, no. Just why? How was I supposed to know my comments about United were going to impact the league and the Champions League? It's called the E Gates eighty four curse. What are you talking about? That's like saying. Oh, well, how was I supposed to know that sleeping with her, I'd give her chlamydia? Because you had chlamydia! You passed this on to me! For for the record, I have never had chlamydia. That is erroneous, and that is neither here nor there. (laughs) Why did you have to pick them to be one of your three teams in the Champions League? Why? How is this my fault that Bruno took the penalty instead of Ronaldo? That wasn't your fault. That was Ole's fault. But the fact that we're going into this game against Villarreal, which we'll talk about a little later, with three of our four of our back four, three out of seventy-five percent of our back four is fucking gone. You killed my, you, you killed Luke Shaw, having the best fucking season of the last fourteen months by a fullback. You murdered him. Maguire's out. Might not be a bad thing. <laughs> we don't have Juan Bissaka for Villarreal. You can't miss your starting fullback. Also. Also, I cannot be blamed for the Juan Basaka red card. You 100% can. The dude has never missed time to challenge. You open your fucking mouth. A week later, he missed time to challenge. What are you talking about? That's I've 100% said, on you! I've said for so long now how much I enjoy watching Juan Basaka go into challenges, how he is an artist with the tackle. I've said that since, since before he joined United. You did. And then, and then you had all that built up in the bank. And then you said... Oh, yeah, one of the three teams that can win the Champions League could be Manchester United. And you fucked him. Just admit you fucked him. And we can move on. 
I do not think I'm to blame for the Wamba socket piece. I do think <laughs> you could blame me for you could blame me for the Lingard back pass to Jordan Pifok. That that I'll take blame. Great for. pass, by the way. I'll take blame for that because there's there's another narrative where it was clearly intentional by me to help out our American forward who needed a goal. No, he didn't. <laughs> All right, Premier League. Here are my thoughts, Eric. Oh, we're not done. I, th- I thought that was our Premier League review. That was that was me yelling at you review. <laughs> this is going to be a very much a three horse race for a while before it becomes a two horse race. For a while, it's going to be a three horse race between Liverpool, Man City, and Chelsea. Eventually, put that fourth fucking finger down. It's a fourth horse race. It's not. How can you look at this table? Honestly. How can you honestly, with self-respect and dignity, look at this table and tell me you're going to ignore everything that either Everton or Brighton and Hove Albion have done so far? I hate you. I'm going to ignore them easily. It's a three-horse race between Liverpool City and Chelsea. Eventually, eventually, that'll become a two-horse race between Chelsea and Manchester City. And then that'll be a one-horse race. Manchester City will win the Premier League. Now, the race for that fourth spot is fascinating. Because you got a lot of guys in the mix here. you got Everton, Brighton, West Ham, Villa, Arsenal, Leicester, all fighting for that fourth spot. Oh, we really, you failed to name a, a team in, in any of this who currently occupies fourth place in the table. Manchester United may not finish in the top four. <laughs> so you think they're going to finish behind Arsenal and Brentford? Dude, what if Brentford got in Europe? That would be sick. That would be the best. Fifth place finish right behind United. Manchester United have looked good for the second half of Newcastle in the opening game of the season, and that's it. Other than so that, can I say, objectively, can I say yeah. Because that's going to happen. What's going to happen? There's, there's probably going to be two more subpar performances. One's going to be a draw, and one's going to be a loss. And then Wayne Rooney is going to visit the locker room and talk to the team. He's not going to say a word. He's going to eat the pregame custard. And pass it and pass it around, and it's finally gonna get to Ronaldo. And Ronaldo's gonna have the tiniest, nibbliest of a bite, but he's gonna have it's gonna let it touch his touch it touch his lips and pretend like he's swallowing it. And the team's gonna come out and play like fucking Sir Alex Ferguson is managing them. It's the curse of the custard. You have to buy into it, or in this case, bite into it. You will literally come up with only, any absurd scenario only to deflect Wayne, yourself from blame. Only Wayne, only Wayne could get the team to buy into the custard only you can lift this curse by saying right now that you don't think manu will finish in the top four and that manu will not qualify for the champions league if you can say those things and mean it you could lift the curse you i honestly can't i cannot mean that i cannot mean that at all you can't mean I, either of those things i can't mean that at all i i, I do believe manchester united will finish top four i i may think closer to fourth now than second like i used to think but they will finish top four. Dude. What about the Champions League group? Oh, they'll finish second. How? They lost to fucking young boys. They're going to face Villarreal with three of the back four gone. How? You know, there's this really brilliant chaos that once said, life, uh, life finds a way. 
Ah, uh, yes, Jeff Goldblum, famous politician. Uh, Dr. Ian Malcolm, thank you very much. Played by the effervescent Jeff Goldblum. Cristiano Ronaldo finds a way. It may be in spite of Ole. I, I, I think we have things to question about his decision making. Oh, I'm Ole out. Yeah. I'm sitting in the car watching the second half of this fucking Villa United game. I have a little vodka and a sugar-free Red Bull ready at my side. And then, of course, a corner corner kick, great header. Man, you can see it on a corner, as we do. It's over. I'm fucking... Makes no sense with the size that United have. I don't get it. Then we get a penalty, and I think, okay, you got to let Cristiano take it. Nope, it's Bruno. Who, Bruno, who uh, only before this had missed, I think, one of his 15 attempts. Two career. Uh, Two career, but one he only missed one for United or none for United or something. He missed one for United, which he it, it was saved, and then he tapped it in. So his his only miss up to this point was on target and resulted in a goal. It was the first time in his career he's ever missed the target on a penalty. Yeah, but ha- you just you gotta have Ronaldo take it. I mean, he he's the most re- uh, renowned. I mean, that's why like, like people that hate him, his haters call him Cristiano Pinaldo. Like it's it's a it's a thing. He is renowned for scoring, taking scoring penalties. He's automatic, especially in a big moment. But I can't mi- believe Ronaldo let him take that ball. Like, I, you know, that, that there was, there's an interesting dynamic there that I think shows growth and maturity from Ronaldo. Five years ago. There's no way he lets anybody get their hand on that ball to walk to the spot. doesn't matter if he has the captain's armband or not. So I think you're seeing some professionalism, some growth from Ronaldo. And while it may have bit you in the ass here, it only cost you one point. It didn't cost you three points. Um, and I think that's going to go a long way. He's got to be the undisputed penalty taker moving forward, which helps. But I think he also has like you – know, there's, there's a little bit of, a, of like a – the, the team respecting Jamie Tart when he when he came back to, to Richmond and Ted Lasso. Sorry for the early season two spoilers. If anybody's a season behind, that's on you. That's not on me. I just think that every competent person from the ver- from the moment he signed said, "Oh, okay, Ronaldo on penalties, Bruno on free kicks." Yeah, but also maybe Ronaldo on free kicks if they're short enough. Scorable free kicks, Ronaldo. Uh, anyway, I'm all out now. That's the stance. Yeah. It's fucking... I get it. Listen, I get it. You're still stuck with fucking Fred in the midfield. But you don't have to play him. Yeah, that's a choice Ole Ole chooses to to experience Fred in the midfield. Can we leave the Premier League? No, we cannot leave the Premier League. Damn it. What do you want to talk about? Because I have to continue Matt's narrative. Oh, Tottenham got fucking shit-pumped by Arsenal. (laughs) Sorry. Donnie Donnie will continue Matt's narrative. Um... North London Derby uh, happened on yesterday, uh, on Sunday, and obviously I think we all know the story. What first three games of the season, you had Tottenham top of the table, Arsenal bottom of the table, uh, and then Tottenham Tottenham have back to back Tottenham Tottenham yeah honestly fuck it Tottenham have back to back three nothing defeats, uh, Arsenal string together back to back one nothing defeats, and so the set the stage is set. Players enter, and holy shit, you know, it was right right from the go, Arsenal just stepped on Tottenham's throat. And you had Arsenal playing, you know, quick, fast, attacking soccer. It seemed like Tottenham did not exactly know what to do. 
gonna have to keep asking the question until he produces, but is Harry Kane's heart in it? Harry Kane looks like shit. He's always been a consummate professional, he's always given it his all, but he's never tried to leave the club like he did this summer. Yeah, it doesn't look good. I'm waiting for like him to send us a video of him showing holding a newspaper to confirm the date and like it's like a hostage situation because I can't imagine he he does not seem to be having fun. He's not playing well. Uh, right now, Tottenham's best player is Son. I think without that question, yes, need him. To, they need him to stay healthy if they want to, to you know stop the bleeding. Uh, but they've Tottenham got problems. Arsenal looked great against Tottenham, uh, but their their previous wins before that, you know, they they got the job done. But there were some nervy moments. I yeah, you know, I don't think. It's amazing to see how happy Arsenal are for getting into tenth place, right? Like they're that, like you know, have some fucking respect for yourselves. You guys well, used to be, you guys used to be giants. Also, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be too too uh, on, you know, too too loud if I were an Arsenal fan. When you look at their schedule, they have a strong. This is what they have coming up in the league, right? Strong Brighton team, strong Palace team, Villa, Leicester, Watford, Liverpool. That's that's tough. Uh, also, yeah, you mentioned a, a strong Brighton team. I mean, Brighton had a chance today if they had uh, won at Crystal Palace to go top of the table after six games. Uh, they ended up with a, a 90th minute equalizer to prevent their first loss or to prevent their second loss of the season. Uh, but all in all, they are one of what is it? One of five teams sitting on 13 points right now. Yep. Clearly, the conventional wisdom would be they don't have the staying power to, to keep up with the likes of Liverpool, City, Chelsea, United. Uh, but fuck it, why not? And, and I said why not already, but you know, if you look at teams like Everton, West, um, uh, West Ham, Aston Villa, Brentford, Tottenham, and Arsenal, I don't see why Brighton could not stay up and compete for European place. Yeah, um, looking at let's, Leicester, what the fuck is going on with them? Two wins, a draw, and three losses. I will say, they've had a tough opening stretch. Okay. But not, not, this, not, not to justify those full... Their only two wins are against Wolves and Norwich. Yep. They lost to West Ham 4-1. They lost to Brighton. They lost to Man City. And they tied Burnley. So, yeah, I'd say like they've had like a medium-ish schedule. I think at, before the season started, we we looked at you know Brighton, and that wouldn't have contributed to being a tough schedule. But looking back after the first six six weeks, that's a a, a tougher game than than we thought. Obviously, City's. Uh, a tough bout, and then you know West Ham are, are no pushover. The the draw losing four one is a problem. I think there was a red card in there that that did not help their their chances, hmm. and and I think really opened the floodgates. the The draw to uh, to Burnley does not look good, uh, especially they, because Burnley is one of five teams without a win after six games. We'll, we'll get into that in a second. Yes. Uh, so the big question there is: is uh, is the Braj distracted by the rumors that uh, he's being monitored by Barcelona as a potential Cumin replacement? 
I would I would pay money to see Braj at the Camp Nou. I think that he is a good manager, but if I were a Barcelona fan, he's not the one I'd want. I'd want Roberto Martinez. Yes. I yes. I think there's two or three that you want over the Braj. Yes. I just I can't imagine him being uh, the preferred or ideal culture fit for the the beautiful game of Barcelona and and the image they're trying to push out there. I think he's a great manager. I think he's got a good skill set. I think it's best suited for uh, the kind of English based, British based yeah. uh, structure. So as we alluded to earlier, five teams without a win so far in the Premier League. Southampton, four wins or four four draws, two losses. Newcastle, three and three. Leeds United, zero wins, three draws, three losses. Burnley, two draws, four losses. Norwich, six losses. Norwich is fucked. Yeah, they're they're down. They're done. They're they're good. You know they're they probably need to start uh, rotating their squad, getting young guys some minutes. The guys that they're going to be able to hold on to and play next year in the championship when they're fighting for promotion. Yeah. Sorry, Josh Sargent, but you are just going down again, unfortunately. Yeah, he's going to back to back relegated seasons. And then after that, it's a crapshoot between. I mean, I think Leeds will turn it around. Um, yeah. But they look like dog shit. And Dan James looks just as bad there as he did for Man United. So at least that somewhat makes me happy. Keep keep an eye on Wolves. They're they have they're they're in what fourteenth place. Yes. Uh, but they're they're only a game out of the drop, and they are having a lot of trouble scoring goals. Yes, much like Tottenham. They have three goals this season, uh, which Se- is second least only second in Norwich. Least. Behind Norwich, yeah, uh, and, ju- and just and th- just one less goal than um, Tottenham, but Arsenal only has five goals. And I keep like Tottenham only has four goals. Wow. And Wolves have three <sighs> goals, and Southampton only has four goals. Newcastle, to their credit, have seven goals. They're the uh, highest scoring team without a win. <laughs> Doesn't help that they are the the second most. Uh, Poorest defense. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's there's new things to watch. It's a shame for our boy Sargent. It looks like last two league games, Norwich have gone to uh, a different formation instead of Timu Puki as the lone striker. And they've been, Sargent's been getting minutes. So, you know, I'd like to see him turn that into assists or goals if possible. Those seem hard to come by for Norwich. But, you know, even even this if this is a doomed season, hopefully he can stay in the good graces of, of management and get some valuable Premier League minutes here. Yeah. All right. Should we uh, go to the uh, Bundesliga before just a quick, quick, um, you know, preview of the games coming up this week in the Champions League so we can get to what we really want to talk about, which is Team USA? Yeah. My my big takeaway for the Bundesliga is, you know, Bayern are only three points up. Um, unfortunately, at this point in the season, Bayern, who who have already dropped, who dropped two points with a draw on their first week, already have uh, a one game lead on everybody else. It's over. They also have uh, 
Their, their goal differential is plus 18, which is nine better than second place. To put it another way, it's double second place. They, they've doubled second place, uh, which is Leverkusen, who is in second. Um, and Oh, my God. The one thing I want to note is, you know, I think some Americans have been getting a little nervous, a little uneasy with the poor start that RB Leipzig have had to this season. Uh, they had a much, much needed uh, result over the weekend where they won 6 nothing, uh, which was, cr- I think, crucial to, to Jesse Marsh's uh, job stability. It's I'm, I'm just hoping that he can, you know, as long as, as he can right the ship and, and hopefully make a push and, and ideally get top four, um, you know, he's, Leipzig are only five points out of fourth place, so by, by no means is that, impossible or anything just need to have a little patience uh this is a team that lost their two best defenders you know ibrahim kanate as well as deo mercano they also lost their previous captain uh marcel sabitz and arguably their best attacking player yep uh to bayern munich uh who also you know took their coach that's fucking hard to rebound from immediately so I'm, i'm just hoping that he can get a little bit of time you know uh there were it's 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 early. Uh, doesn't help that they are in a really tough group, right? With PSG and with Man City, mm. and uh, so he's they're not likely to have a lot of good opportunities in, in Champions League to kind of stem the tide of, of poor league results. So it'll be really important for them to capitalize on the six nothing win and, and take that momentum moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I think you nailed it on the head, man. When Bayern's beating teams seven zero, it's just in terms of the title race, boring, boring Liga is a snooze fest. Um, but what I like about it is love Gio Reyna at Dortmund. You got John Brooks at um, Wolfsburg. You already mentioned um, Leipzig with Tyler Adams. You have now Chris Richards getting time for Hoffenheim. You got your boy Joe Scally at right back for Gladbach. So that is what I do like about the Bundesliga is all the young American talent. And uh, we'll be talking about some of those guys here in a little bit. Yeah, but in terms I'll, of a title race, it is just. I agree. I, I completely agree. <laughs> and then, and then the this Brian, Bayern Munich. I mean, Chris Hansen to catch a predator. There is no other predator like Bayern Munich preying on the young, naive other Bundesliga clubs. It's disgusting. It's sickening. The entire Bundesliga is a farmer farm system for <laughs> Bayern Munich. It's just disgusting. That's all I have to it's say. Hor- it's horrible. Uh, the, the one thing about so I had a you know I was going to bring up Joe Scally. I'm glad that you, you gave him that call out. He's been getting I think equal time at right back and left back. Uh, Love he, the versatility. He, he's a right back by by trade, but he got into the squad against Bayern opening week because of an injury at left back. I do see that he recently has been playing right back, so I think that injury you know got resolved and the left back came back and they wanted to keep Scally in the lineup. So I think that's really promising. Uh, those three kind of the, the well, you mentioned, you know, uh, Wolfsburg and Dortmund obviously have American players and they're currently in top four. Like I said, it's too early for that to matter, but it's always good to see them there. And then we've got, as you said, Hoffenheim, Leipzig and Mönchengladbach are nine, 10 and 11 in, in the standing. So because it's so early, I think all of these teams have a realistic push at, at getting top four. Unfortunately, none of them are going to, to be pushing for uh, for a Bundesliga title, but we kind of knew that going into the season anyways. Yep. All right. Just wanted to uh, talk about a few of the Champions League games this week. Just, you know, there's a lot of games going on tomorrow and Wednesday, obviously, but I think these were some of the headline games. I think Milan Atletico is going to be awesome. Um, 
Yeah, it'll. I mean, just to dive right in, this will be the first Champions League game at you know from Milan at San Siro. Uh, obviously, Inter hosted a couple games last season and, and whatnot, but Milan, Milan's first Champions League you know home game here in the Champions League anthem at San Siro in seven years since we last hosted Atletico, uh, who did eliminate us from our, our last Champions League competition. This will be. This is the most important game of the group stage for Milan. You know, we always knew Liverpool was going to be a tough fucking out, especially first game at Anfield. You know, they dominated us for the first 40 minutes. We blitzed them on, you know, on the counter in the last five minutes of the first half. And then they, they you know, uh, closed out a, a win that Liverpool deserved, unfortunately. It'll, Milan's chances of, of making it out of the group or even getting third place in the group, I think, are going to come down to how can we handle Atletico at home? Obviously, how can we handle Porto at home? And then we're going to need to eke out a result. I think we're going to need to grab a win at either Atletico or Porto on the, the away turns. But if, if we can't get a W here, then I would resign us easily for third place, but probably fourth place in the group. Yeah, I mean... It's- it's going to be a tough group. I think it's going to be an awesome game, though. It's going to have all my attention on Tuesday. But my attention will be split, so I won't have all my attention with PSG Man City, I guess. It'll have it'll have all my attention, but in a word, it won't. <laughs> yeah. I just fucking lied, I guess. <laughs> Gates Gates is the uh, one of the most prolific traders in history, and I am, I guess, a prolific liar. Oh, oh, oh. if I'm one of the most prolific traders of our time, you are one of the most prolific liars of our time. That's what I just said. You said you said I am I am a liar. No, and then I said if Gates is one, I literally will you play it back, listeners? You'll know. Uh, but are you lying to me right now? You'll never know. <laughs> I never know. Uh, PSG Man City Messi versus Pep. Messi was in training, so I think he's going to feature to some degree. Obviously, this is going to be a uh, electric factory. They uh, Man City knocked PSG out in the semifinals last year. Before obviously losing Chelsea, but uh, going to be a very fun game in my opinion. As you mentioned, Messi hasn't scored for uh, PSG yet. Would be incredible content if he broke that against Pep, who has been trying to prove to the world that he can do it without Messi. Uh, so you know, you got to know there was. I think there was definitely some uh, some heating of the balls when this was when these were drawn. You know, there. I think there was some something was fixed here to get us uh, a group stage matchup of PSG Man City. And you know what? I'm here for it. Fuck it, I don't care. Uh, it'll be interesting. I'll I'll have it on on my second TV. You know, I won't won't be watching it nearly as intently. I'll probably give it my most attention for when the lineups are announced because I just need to keep watching in spite to see Donnarumma on the bench. Uh, right in the pine behind Kaylor Navas. Yeah. Uh, you also have Dortmund Sporting. I think that has some spice potential as well. Moving to Wednesday, you have a matchup of the Europa League final. Manchester United, uh, Villarreal. The early uh, report from Manchester United appears that um, Aaron Wan-Bissaka, Luke Shaw, and Harry Maguire will all be out due to Eric Gates. Well, it's obvious that Wan-Bissaka will be out. The others are, the others are appear, they appear to be. Wan-Bissaka is serving a suspension, so there's no shot there. Uh, no, I just want. I just. More importantly, it's known that they're all three out for the same reason, and that's you. No, no, I'm not to blame for Wan Bissaka. You uh, are. 
you can blame me for the Lingard back pass to Pifok. I'm going to blame... I, no, 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 How dare you control my narrative? You're being so toxic right now. I will blame you for whatever I was, want. Was, was that a microaggression? That was a macroaggression. <laughs> and then uh, also the, uh, Wednesday... Yeah. The other game, uh, which I think should be very fascinating, is Juventus-Chelsea. Yep. Mentioned that Juve have been on a, a solid run of form uh, since, really, it all started with their first Champions League game when they, you know, I think won 3-0 at Malmo. Uh, then they turned around with a 1-1 draw against Milan at, at home for Juve. Uh, then they've turned around and, and gotten gotten some wins. They weren't always clean or, or controlling, but they got them. And now they're going to be playing host to Chelsea. I would thoroughly expect Chelsea to come away with a W here, uh, but never count Max Allegri, you know, Chiellini, Benucci, and those assholes out of out of these types of competitions. Yeah. It'll be, I guess the big thing to watch is, is Chiesa healthy enough to go the full 90? Yeah, I think he's going to be a vital part of um, Juve's chances at any sort of success this year. Yeah, yeah, I would agree that their best player is going <laughs> to be integral. Um, I didn't say it was a hot take. It's just a fact. <laughs> the uh, the other thing, too, would be, does uh, Tuchel go with his weird uber-defensive formation again, or does he line up like he has the rest of the season? That lineup against City with... Built, he played to not lose that game, and when you play to not lose, you will never win. And he didn't even yeah, I'd argue that his formations normally are to not lose when he goes with three total attacking players. And then he upped himself this this year, th- this last game, by having one of those attacking positions, the center attacking mid. He put one of the world's best defensive midfielder, uh, Conte, in that role. And then one of his two attacking players left. He chose Timo Werner, who I think we all know has troubles and, and issues scoring in the league since he joined. Yeah. That was that was an attempt. That was an obvious attempt at a big brain play. That means like that clearly showed he's got a small brain. I'm back. I'm back in on my my uh, my Tuchel hate train because that was just that was that was that was ridiculous of a way to, to try to attack uh, to try to game plan for a, a game against City. It, let's just say it worked out a lot better for him in the Champions League final than it did over the weekend. But he didn't put Conte at, as one of his only three attacking players. He did not. That's I'm a, saying his game planning worked better for him. Oh, not yes, not yes, that yes. game plan in specific. I, I, yeah, yeah. His, I mean, yes, his, no, uh, undoubtedly, he defeated me like 37-0 to zero last season. Uh, but you got one he, on the board, baby, 37-1. He, he, started, he started up this season beating me like, like well, I, I was no longer you know, picking fights with him, but I'm back to picking fights if he's going to, call lineups like that because holy shit that was just stupid i think you're always like it's like you if you see two in the street it's automatic on site you guys are throwing hands also the guy needs to put on a little weight yeah he oh is boy. he skips leg day he skips every day <laughs> all right um let's talk a little u.s men's national team soccer in about what is it Tuesday, Wednesday, and about 10 days from now, the United States of America will be playing Jamaica in Austin, Texas. It'll be the first soccer game attended to by Own Goal Podcast. We will be on site. We will be on location. I'm very excited, but I'm very nervous 
Um, I think the big story in this is that because we're playing Panama, the English-based players will not be available to play against Panama. Now, it doesn't mean they can't be called up because they can play the home games against Jamaica and Costa Rica on either side. But the English-based players being Pulisic if he's healthy, which is a big if. Um, Stefan. Stefan, Zach Stefan, Anthony Robinson. Sargent. And Josh Sargent. And Tim Tim Ream, technically. I just state the facts. I don't I don't make the facts. Okay. That yeah. is as accurate that is as accurate as your headline about Hulk impregnating his niece. But it's not as funny. <laughs> <laughs> um now my hope is that to the extent, especially with uh, Anthony Robinson, Zach Steffen, and uh Sargent and Pulisic, less so with Tim Ream. To the extent that those guys are healthy to play, I would rather call up their four spots to have them for the two games against Jamaica and Costa Rica, knowing we can't have them in Panama and we may be a little shorthanded. I think that would, that's a no-brainer to me. Yeah. So just a quick reminder for those that, that are, are not following this as closely. Uh, these English-based players are not available for Panama because Panama is on the red list uh, for, for Britain. And therefore, if anybody any of the soccer players go to one of the countries on the red list they have to quarantine for 14 days before they can come back so the idea as donnie is stating is they are eligible to play in the united states which would be the home game against jamaica and then the third game the home game against costa rica i don't believe donnie there's any limitations to the squad you can call up to camp during the international break it's just the limits to the match day squad it's not yeah. like the world cup where you can only travel with 24 or right you like you like camp with 28 and you have 24 match day so this was a couple of weeks back but i was seeing you know a hypothesis or a rumor that they expect berhalter to call up a larger camp this this time than he did last time because we ideally would, would like to have our key English-based players for two of the three games. And then you'll see heavier rotation and definitely more MLSers probably get, you know, uh, Leggett and uh, what's his fucking name? Rolled on. Rolled on, probably starting at Panama, you know, along with some of the Europe guys that are eligible uh, to, to, to stay around. So it'll it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm nervous. I'm concerned. Uh, you know, it doesn't sound like Reyna is going to be healthy to, to be called up for, for this camp. Definitely disappointing to see. Uh, Christian, it, you know, the, it sounds like Tuchel keeps saying he's close but not yet back all the way. So I think there's a good chance that, that he, he'll be able to return. It comes down to will Chelsea release him or will they want to keep him from, you know, taking all those injuries. Probably would have been one of those attacking players uh, Tuchel could have used when he played a two-attacking uh, lineup this weekend uh but then that means you know probably the second or third biggest uh uh performer from the first round of, of international games is gonna have to step again and that's brendan aronson yeah yeah and uh, on that note i wanted to talk about some guys i'd really like to see called up um that weren't called up last time first actually the first person who wasn't called up last time that i want to see called up is chris richards mm-hmm I, I would really like to see him. I mean, if you're good enough to play for a mid-table Bundesliga team and run 90 minutes at center back, I don't know why you can't get thrown into an international game in CONCACAF. If, 
also, if you're good enough for Bayern to want to loan you out to get minutes, but refuse to allow any sort of purchase option or obligation because they they want you for the future, then yeah, I think I think you got something there. Uh, I, I I do think he didn't get the call up for the uh, September window because he had not uh, gotten really much minutes. Right, he didn't secure his his loan until the last day of the transfer window. So I don't often give MLS Greg the benefit of the doubt, but I think that had something to do with his exclusion from the camp the first time out or it could be the fact that uh the apparently the coaching staff hates all the fullbacks and chris richards can also be classified as a fullback yes and and i'm glad you brought up fullbacks because the person i want to see and this will sound repetitive from our earlier conversation uh called up who wasn't at camp last time is top of my list is joe scally and i want this for two reasons one he has cemented himself as a starter at Borussia Mönchengladbach, uh, currently a mid mid table, mid level Bundesliga team. Also, you know, one that has some history with with churning out American uh, fullbacks for the United States men's national team. And also, I want a fire lit under Sergio Dest's ass. Yes, we, we have, have to play defense. You have to play defense. Also, <laughs> and, and, I, and also, fucking Greg, if Anthony Robinson, who obviously was called in because he played well last window, doesn't get the left back starting position because you want to keep moving Dest over there, I might fucking riot at Q2 Stadium in Austin. Yeah, and I'll be right there with you. Um, especially when Anthony Robinson was one of our probably top two or three performers from that first window. If not I number he was, one. I thought he was I thought he was top. I, I would give my top three with him one, Brendan Aronson two, and then based off of one game only, Ricardo Pepe three. Yeah, I think that's about right. And so um, another one other guy I'd like to see called up is a guy who has been getting minutes for Venezia, uh, Busio. Yeah. I'd like to see him brought up. He impressed me in the Gold Cup. So I'd like to see what he can do, especially with you know, with Reyna out, I wouldn't hate a uh, Busia Adams um, midfield. So then here's another question we have to ask. It's a guy we both obviously want to see called up. He was called up last time, but will he be this time? Do you think Weston McKinney will be in the camp? Yes. Okay. You asked the question, so I, just, I, I gave my answer. No, yeah, that's what I wanted. So, I, I hope so. Hashtag free Weston. I hope so. Uh, I think it would be, honestly, a PR mistake on Greg to leave him out at this point. Uh, based off of the comments he said, he waited a long fucking time to address it. But when he when he addre- when he finally did address, you know, Weston broke the team rules, so we told him to sit it out. Then we talked as a as a management and decided, you know. These are really. This is a really serious moment. We need the players to understand the severity of what we're trying to accomplish, and therefore we have to be severe in our punishment. So we sent him home from the camp as well. They talked about it as he broke this rule, so we issued this punishment as as a result, and and he has accepted that punishment. That punishment was sending him home from the camp and missing two games. He already served that punishment. If you continue to leave him out of the cold now, you are no longer, you know, sending him a message of you have to be accountable and you have to kind of 
you know, serve your punishment, you're now saying I'm vindictive and this goes beyond accountability and taking the moment seriously. It goes into Didier Deschamps versus Kareem Benzema level. Yeah. So I, I, I think I don't think Greg's a very smart guy. Uh, well, I don't think he's a very smart soccer guy. Um, I don't know him personally, so I don't know his in general intelligence. Um, but I think he and the the machine that that, that helps him, you know, his PR people and, and his optics people, <laughs> his, his optics people. I think they would all be fools to to snub Weston right now. You know this, and, and from the, you know if if they if they would like to keep him out, then I think that's actually a better incentive to bring him in, right? If if you if you're still pissed off with how he handled himself, bring him in and see does he fuck up again? Because if he fucks up again, then you can be like, now you're having a, a very serious, you're you're on the outs moving forward. I don't think that'll happen. I don't want that to happen. Hashtag Team Weston, free Weston. But I think he has to be included in in, in the squad. Yeah, in, I, in the in the in the camp, you don't have to start. You don't have to play him. Right, you can, you can. It, uh, Greg which, even said, which, by the way, for the record, would be stupid not to play him. Yes, I, I agree. I agree here. Um, but one of the things Greg said was, you know, he served as his, his kind of his punishment, uh, but he still has to, you know, come back and, and earn the squad's trust, earn earn his teammates' trust, and kind of repair any damage done there by letting them down. And he can't do that if he's not called into the squad. Yeah. Yeah. Um... I mean, and this is kind of what we ended on last time. I think your automatic starters, if they, ignoring the Panama game where certain players may not be, you know, can't play. Pepe, Aronson, Anthony Robinson, those guys have to start. Yes. Um, I mean, a couple more automatics for me. If healthy, Tyler Adams. Yep. If healthy, and this is a bigger if, Christian Pulisic. Yes. Um. Now, if healthy, I go Zach Steffen. There I are agree. Some, some people saying Turner has, has, has impressed and deserves to keep it. I think Steffen, but I'm not as concerned if we don't have Steffen because I think Turner can do a fine job. Turner's a very good stop, stop shopper. I agree with you. Yeah. Um, I have no idea what to do with the center back situation because Brooks looked horrible for He us. did, but I want to see Brooks with Richards. I I. I also just want. I mean, I, I think I part think of go. if if you are used to having a certain level of center back part. I mean, center backs are one of the few positions in soccer where you rely on like there's a true partnership in that part yeah. of the field. When you re, you rely on a competent partner to do certain things, so if you're aggressive, maybe they're covering. I mean, I just think like yes, he looked bad, he looked exposed, but he's used to playing with better guys than Mark McKenzie. My my issue is. On the, the times where he looked really exposed, he also was ball watching and not really moving much to get out of the bad situations he was in. So I'm, I'm, I'm just a little concerned there. But at the end of the day, I want his experience. I want his know-how. I want his size in the box when we are defending set pieces and when we have set pieces. Um, somebody who I think was actually called up to the first camp but then had to withdraw because of injury, I want to see Timothy Weah. Yeah. Uh, called up, especially with Reyna out and potentially Pulisic. Well, definitely not available for one, but maybe not available if he's not healthy for any of them. And, and I'd like to see Conrad De La Fuente get some significant minutes. I'd like to see other attackers get significant minutes in light of the injury for sure we have to Reyna and, like you said, the potential injury to Pulisic. I want to see what these guys can do. 
for sure. Um, you know, I, I think you have to have Sargent called up, um, but I would Pepe start. Pepe is my starter uh, until he gives us reason not to be. And I would, if you know, if we need a goal or we just need to fresh legs up top, my first sub off the bench, kind of for the striker role, is going to be Sergeant. In especially if we have a lead, actually, because yeah. he does he does everything that he does all the non goal scoring things that coaches wish their strikers did. Yeah, yeah. So looking at this, we have versus Jamaica and Austin at Panama. So that's next Thursday. Then you got the Sunday you got at Panama and then Costa Rica. Last time we each said. We have to get seven out of nine points. Last, you know, little... we said yeah. Anything less than seven points is is a complete disappointment. Which I still hold strong that the last window was a complete disappointment. I hold strong that the last window is a complete disappointment as well. Do you still think seven, seven, anything less than seven is a disappointment? Anything less than six is a failure. I'm disappointed with with less than seven. Like if we get six, I'm disappointed, but we didn't fail. I'm fine with six. I'd obviously prefer more, but if we get six, I'm okay with it. Happy to move on. Yeah, because that gets us to eleven already. My my thinking here is we have to, in Concacaf World Cup qualifying. You have to win your home games, right? So we have to beat Jamaica, which they have not played well in the first uh, international break, right? We have to beat Costa Rica, who are on the the, the downslope of sure. of their their you know past three World Cup cycle ascendancy. The Panama game at Panama, especially without some of our key players, will be rough. Yeah. Will be that will be, you know, obviously we could lose any as we saw from last time, we could lose any one of these fucking games. We could we could draw all of these games. Uh we have to get those those two wins just based off of the nature of how you survive CONCACAF World Cup. Uh and therefore Panama, I, I obviously we all want to win. If I, I need to see us draw Panama at the bare bare minimum, okay. But I'm terrified we're going to see a squad and a formation and tactics at Panama of a team playing for a draw because I think they're looking at well. The certainly, he can't start more than four center backs. That surely has never been done. <laughs> you can't do that. It was disgusting. Uh, just you wait, my friend. Uh, but I, I, I think I think they're looking at this this this. Uh, like we are looking at it, we got to get the two wins at the beginning, at the end, at home, and then we just need to get a draw. Panama, we're in, a, in great shape, and I think that's going to dictate how they're going to approach the game. Not from the players' perspective, but the management. The management sets the tempo. Yeah. So uh, next podcast, we will tell you all about our experience against Jamaica, and hopefully have good things to talk about. And uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks uh, to talk more about the rest of the club season and. Uh, as, especially as the Champions League group stage will start to take uh, take shape after a few yep. more games. So, uh, as always, you can follow us on Twitter at OngolPod. Email us, OngolPod at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook and Instagram, OngolPod. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye. To the byline. It's in, it's an own goal! It's a gift! He's almost done well to get that in because he's ahead of the near post. He's almost behind him. Sticks his left leg out. It almost hits his heel. And goes straight into the bottom of the corner. Bottom corner of the net. Gets ahead of the ball. It's the inside of his car. Got no chance of it.